This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. That was actually weird. That was not planned at all. That was how in sync are we today? That is amazing. That's insane. Yeah, that that was that was freaky. We we didn't discuss that or anything. That was so strange. Absolutely not. That is that's actually blown me away. How did we come up with that at the same time? I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you what. We should just just knock it on the head now, mate. It's not getting better than that tonight. (laughs) That's the end of the show, folks. Yeah. Right. I'm off now to. uh... Magpies can fuck off. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening or watching from. This is Chain Wrestling Live with Mags and Sai, a Radio Techers production. I am the full and bloated and overeaten Sai, as the wife made a roast dinner before we went on air, and I tried oh, it all the roast. Oh, that's naughty. And I feel so full and bloated now, but it's a happy full, you know? Mm-hmm. And with me, as always, is... The steamboat to my gravy boat. That's right, I'm going with food links because of the roast. See, see? The chai tang to my chai tang. And boy, did I ever. I love roast potatoes, mate. I could eat them all day long. A podcaster who, if you believe the conspiracy theories online, is actually, in real life, a Blackburn fan from Paddyham. The podfather himself, Lord Max. How are we doing, sir? That's that's two slanderous comments in one sentence. How dare you? I'm actually hey, doing hey. doing well. I was it's doing not me. well. It's not me. It's, it's, it's the conspiracy that, theories online. It's that goddamn Dan Griffin and his, <laughs> and, his and his Paddyum love. Uh, so you mentioned gravy boss. Um, that's a uh, an interesting question that I've just come up with. Then, how do you put gravy on your on your roasting? Are you a, a swirler? Are you uh, go across in lands, or do you just pl- plop it everywhere? I just take it out. It's given to me, mate. So you don't even apply your own gravy? No. You you born idle sod. Well, no, it's not that I'm bone idle. It's the wife, <laughs> Sharon. She makes the grub, you know, and then she puts the gravy on in the kitchen, 
and then just gives me a shake and I can get my plate. So, so if you were to put your own gravy on, then how would you uh, apply your gravy? I'd chuck it all over, I suppose. In, in just any haphazard fashion, no kind of rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, pretty much. You want a bit of gravy on everything, don't you? That's, that's, I mean, that for me is correct. Everything has to touch gravy in, in some shape. I'm more of a, a swirler guy. I'll start from the outside and like swirl the way in. Oh, okay. So yours looks like a little whirlpool. <laughs> yeah, like, like a the Pokemon Poliwhirl or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dan yeah, Griffin well, in the chat. A man who doesn't apply his own gravy is no man at all. Oh, I'm just very, very lucky to be a married man, and my wife does it for me. And Monday Rosso, yeah, that is a, that's a queen you have got right there. A queen. There we go. There we go. There we go. And I believe she is in the chat already. Sharon, hello. It's Monday night. So you know what that means. Yep, and she's explaining why she you didn't get the Sunday roast because she needed a tactical nap for the playoffs. Brilliant. Yeah, Brilliant. that's right. That's right. The wife's mad into the NFL. But bloody, hell, listen to me. I sound like I'm stuck. I'm, I'm one of the cool kids. No, she's mad into it, bruv. <laughs> Fam. <laughs> I threw up a little bit in my mouth then. Uh, yeah, I can appreciate that. No, Sharon's <laughs> uh, really into the NFL. And um, <laughs> yeah. Brilliant! I, I, I shared it on yesterday. I watched it, and it was awesome. It was great. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I don't normally get into that much, but yesterday's games were fantastic. Yeah, it's, Fuck it's, off it's, with it's, your it's happiness. So, cheers, man. <laughs> NFL is a good time. Takes a long time to get through a game. Uh, mm, a lot that's of starting, but yeah, it's 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 fun to watch. That's the biggest hang-up I have, mate. How long it takes to mm-hmm. just get through it? It's like four hours through, essentially one hours of play. I think. Yeah, it's not as bad as I as I remember it being. I, I don't know if it's got better recently i'm not sure but whether they've had rule changes or something i don't know but uh yeah it's not as bad as it was but all the games this year since you know since it's gone to the playoffs have all been really really close they're down to like a one i don't know what you call it a, a kick at goal i suppose or whatever it is you know just down to one a kick at goal brilliant yeah. the, the extent of my nfl knowledge starts and ends effectively with the first ace ventura film so you know that's yeah you know, that that's laces it. Up, laces laces up. done. Finkel, I know. Finkel, I know. Finkel gold, was a man. <laughs> and they're all putting the, the toothpaste in their gobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you, dear. so you're saying essentially, when you watch American football, you cry in the shower to the crying game. That's what you say. Mm, yeah, whilst chewing on some uh, toothpaste. That's it. That's my NFL experience, man. I love it. And you can't take it away from me, okay? How did we, <laughs> how did we get here from going from a Monday roast to you sobbing in the shower? Naked, curled up in the corner, bawling my eyes out. Yeah, that's it, mate. That's it. <laughs> oh, so who's joining us this evening, mate? Who's joining us this evening? What we got going on in the chat before we uh, so, get we... on with our full packed show today? Yes, sir. So we've got Sharon. Kicking off proceedings with the 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 now catchphrase of uh, it's Monday, you know what that means. Uh, Dan Griffin proposing that uh, synchronized wooing should be in the Olympics. I think I think that might be um, already an Olympic sport. You see a lot of uh, Olympic wooing, and he he's saying that Monday. <laughs> I didn't even read the rest of this, but Monday Ross sounds filthier than a man of shoelace. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, and then. Uh, doubling down on his uh, hatred of Padium, but loves winding me up. Yeah, uh, Padium is just the... We call them fitnecks around here because they are literally inbred. 
Um, Con McCabe in the chat. Hello, sir. How are you? Uh, and he's also uh, setting you straight by saying that they're called field goals. Uh, you kick it through the middle and it's three points. And then that do the action again. Which action? I do I do the multiple actions. That, the oh no, that's not the two pest. That's when he gets a, he gets a, the plunger, doesn't he? Um, oh, yeah. plunge vomit out of his mouth. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think oh, they're yeah, thinking yeah. it looks like something else, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I regret that now, making me do it again. <laughs> Dan, you you heathen. Scottish Danny, the the Colin McAlde, the most traitorous podcaster known to man, trying to play <laughs> both off each other. Yes, yes, so yeah. I mean, you teased it last week, you may as well uh confirm those uh those teasers right now. Yeah, I guess if anyone's not seen on Twitter, which I'd be very you know, find it hard to believe they haven't because I share the crap out of everything, let's be honest. <laughs> you people. You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Hey! Hey! Oh, it's okay! Alright! It's Sting! Okay! It's, it's Sting! This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective, play. WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Nitro Nights, starting this Thursday on Visionaries Global Media and Radio Techers, looking back on WCW one show at a time. Follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Nitro underscore Nights. Danny and I are working on a new project. It's got a few episodes already recorded. That's starting on Thursday. It's called Nitro Nights. And it's effectively Dan and I going back to the very first episode of Monday Nitro and watching WCW in order. So you have all the Nitros, Clash of Champions events, uh, all the pay-per-views and so on. And we're just going to go back and watch it from a couple of different aspects, really. One, I love WCW, but there's so much there that, I don't remember, or there's so much there that I sort of overlooked, or everyone remembers the, the plus points, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, Danny is a massive motivation for me wanting to do this show, because he's never seen the majority of WCW, only bits and bobs on highlights videos and so on, from the release from the WWE, and that he said. So that's going to be really interesting as well, having somebody look at these this product that dominated big chunks of the Monday Night War for the first time in 2022. So that's going to be really interesting. And lastly, it's just great talking wrestling with people, isn't it? So those are the, those are the main reasons. <laughs> especially, especially with Danny. Uh, I know that um, he, he's an absolute superstar to work with uh, on a, on a very similar project that may or may not have influenced natural on that. So a changing attitude. Uh, yeah. He's, he's fitted in with, with the team uh, like a glove. Uh, yeah. He's took to, to podcasting, uh, 
um, really, really well. He's even got another show that's uh, uh, on the go as well, One Man's Meat, which is, is mm-hmm. dropping very, very soon, uh, where he'll be discussing uh, beef, pork, turkey, Chicken, all of the meats. All the meats. Sean yeah. Michaels, Playgirl, uh, 1996 edition. Yeah, he's going to cover all of the meats. Lovely stuff, mate. Lovely stuff. I got that spread out on my wall. That, you know, <laughs> I thought it'd be on the roof. <laughs> on the roof. No, it's too distracting, mate. It's too distracting. It makes me uh, finish too quickly if I see that, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, you're going to be as rude as you like with me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh. Man, we've, we've gone from simultaneously wooing at the same time with no character. that woo. To now just, just completely lowering the tone of the show, you know, within 10 minutes. Oh. You don't get this anywhere else, mate. No other podcast or live show does this. Absolutely not. This is God. scandalous. Apologies, <laughs> listeners. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so then, so then, so then, Magsy. Unless you've got anything else you want to bring up, bud, should we, uh, should we get to our first segment of the day? Yes, let's do it. Are we doing the Hall of Lame? Yes, indeed. The Hall of Lame, the second week we are going to be inducting some, shall we say, slightly ropey wrestling gimmicks or characters or, or angles or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, everyone seemed to enjoy what we did. Everyone seemed to like the idea, the concept. So, yeah, we're going to stick with it. So we're both going to put forward another one this week. Magsy has teased me with what his might be, and I hope for the sake of everyone watching, it's not because I don't want to melt down in front of the camera. But Magsy, we'll, we'll start with you, I think, mate. All right. So let's take a trip back to the the middle of 1996. Okay. Raw. I'm only joking. I'm right. <laughs> so actually, I want to go back to uh, December of 1998. Um, okay. Starcade. Your 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 wheelhouse to receive mm-hmm. Um and if you remember in in the main event of that show, uh, Kevin Nash beat Goldberg uh, mm-hmm. with a, a bit of help from uh, from his his buddy Scott Hall with the old stone good. Yes, not good. That led to uh, one of the most ridiculous. Uh, um, I don't even want to say angles because it's not an angle. It's just it's just politicking of the of the of the highest order. Uh, so. Uh, a couple of weeks after that, Hogan had made his return. He had challenged uh, Nash for the for the title, uh, and after a little bit of circling around the ring, uh, we see Nash uh, trying to intimidate Hogan by pushing him into into the corner. And in retaliation, Hogan dropped the bomb. He porks Nash square in the chest, mm. and it's been compared to being hit in the chest with a cannonball. Apparently. Uh, but- <laughs> But this knocks Nash clean down, uh, Hogan uh, pins, and we get a new WCW heavyweight champion. So I'm putting forward that goes in the Hall of Lame, the finger pork of doom. Oh, and I'm, I'm with you on that, mate. I'm 100% with you on that. It was, there's just no need for it. It was just the most self-indulgent nonsense. It just showed that WCW, whereas 1998 financially was one of their strongest years, they mm-hmm. made more money in 98 than they did in 97, 96, and so on, which is when creatively 96, 97 was probably when they're at their peak. 98, they made more money. It just showed that by this stage, the wheels were coming off. Things were going wrong. 
Uh, and this is the perfect example. I mean, some people even pinpoint that moment as when WCW effectively died after that. It was it was done and dusted. Nothing nothing was the same after. I think that's a bit dramatic. There's a lot of more mistakes to come. But <laughs> yeah, Magsy, that's that's a great shake. That was oh yeah. Yeah, it, it's just taking all the momentum and all the steam of of arguably the 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 biggest character WCW created themselves with Goldberg, mm-hmm. yep. taking all that just to feed Hogan and Nash's egos. It was mm. just a ridiculous, ridiculous booking. Uh, yeah, and like I said, it, it showed that the wheels were were finally off and, the, and the, the lunatics were certainly running the asylum. Yes, very much so. Very much so. I totally agree. I do, oh, man. Just so bad. And, the, oh, and they thought he would get better by bringing Russo in. What the... Oh, I love WCW, but my God. I'll tell you what, though, Magsy. What I'm going to put forward this week, and it is so strange. It's almost like the simultaneous woo again. Not only am I staying in WCW, as you as you were there, I'm actually going to speak about pretty much the same bloke. Kevin Nash? Yeah. I is it actually saw. Kevin Nash? I was yeah, it is. Then, thought we were about the orange man himself, Hulk Hogan. No, mate, no. In 1991... WCW no. started running I, you know, uh, video packages or, or just talking about anyway, this new wrestler coming, a creation of, of the mind of Dusty Rhodes. Now, Dusty Rhodes, creative genius at times. It's so many things he's done. You hear stories about what he did in NXT, but you go back to Jim Cocker Promotions. He was he was a booker there for a long time, WCW, the end of whatever. And he, he did great things whilst booking, great stories and all the horseman stuff, all that. Fantastic occasionally Dusty would get it wrong. Occasionally Dusty would get it wrong. And on this moment, he he got it wrong. Inspired by the cartoony, like, oh, larger-than-life gimmicks that we have in, on the other channel, the WWF at the time, Dusty thought, well, he needs to do something himself to that level. You know, this is early 91, so you've got Hogan, you've got Earthquake, Jake Roberts, and so on on the other channel. So what does he feel? Oh, what can I do? What can I do? And he sees this seven-foot monster of a man, Kevin Nash, and thinks we're going to use him, and we're going to create the character Oz. Now, for those listening who have never seen or heard of Oz, first of all, I, I, I can't blame you for that. It didn't last long. It's only around for a couple of months, tops. Mm-hmm. You know, went out to Japan for a little bit as well, but it, it, it kind of died a death very early on. But I, I implore you, please go and check out Super Bowl One on the WWE Network, or even just type it into YouTube or wherever it is, because you're going to find footage of it. Oz's debut at Super Bowl One. The entranceway ends up with a curtain draped across it to try and look like a big castle of some sort, but it's blatantly just a, a bad painting on a sheet that's poorly lit. Okay, and then the, the whole. Um, walkway entranceway fills with 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 mists almost like the undertaker's arriving and it does look initially like okay this could be quite quite good and then for some reason dorothy turns up with her little red shoes it's so ridiculous and the tin man and the lion and the scarecrow and they're all ferreting around halfway down the entrance ramp so Kevin Sullivan in a really shit rubber mask decides to come out <laughs> carrying a monkey because hey why not it's WCW carrying a, <laughs> come out and say oh come this way come forward don't be scared come and see Oz and then 
we see him. We see Nash in all of his Oz glory, standing there, seven foot tall, huge, bright green gown, crazy wizard hat on, fake mask, beard effort, walks down to the ring, and then takes all this garb off to just reveal it's Kevin Nash in green tights. But they sprayed his hair and his beard silver. Mm -hmm. But it's not done very well. It's quite patchy, and it's just crap. It's just crap. So I would like everyone to check out um, Oz at Super Raw 1 uh, from WCW because it has to be seen to be believed. It is unreal. But this week, my entry into the Chain Wrestling Hall of Lane is Oz. That's, that's like, like I said, it went for, it, it got pushed, I think, for about a month or so, but it just shows how horrific that gimmick is that some... 30 years later, we're still talking about it as being one of the worst things that's ever happened. And yeah. thank the Lord for Ron Simmons for putting an end to that at the Great American Bash that year. And yeah, Oz was was then just buried. Uh, thank God, yeah, it's horrific. Good pick. Great, great It was not pick. a good look, mate, was it? It was not a good look. No, again, no. I suppose that was 91. What you've put forward this week is 98. Look how much crap... Kevin Nash was involved in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all this, this stuff in between that as well. There's uh, the Vinnie Vega stuff, the two mm. dudes with attitude stuff. Uh, yeah. The Master Blasters as well, just before Oz. Do you remember the Master yep. Blasters? I do, I do. <laughs> but he made money, fair play to him. Yeah, he fair made play. money doing as little as possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just standing there and looking tall and green in, in more than one way of the word, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay then. Shall we get to Twitter magazine and have a little look at what we've got this week in our non-wrestling topic? Yes, we shall. Okay. This week, we thought we would have a little look at conspiracy theories. Uh, And from the viewpoint of some of them being so ridiculous, it could be quite quite funny. On the other side of it, some of them really start making you think uh, and so on. So we want to just get... Uh, get, get everyone's thoughts on conspiracy theories. What do you believe? What do you not believe? What do you think is nonsense? What makes you laugh? What's, what conspiracy theories have you heard that you like, but obviously maybe don't fully invest in, and so on. And my goodness, do we get a lot of responses. We did. A lot of people uh, maybe believe or don't believe in some some pretty crazy conspiracy theories in, in mm. the, the CWF. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So we're going to fly through these because there's a lot to get through. Uh, we'll start... Well, I'll go through them in the order they arrived into us, as I normally do. Mm-hmm. So first up is at UTT Rob on Twitter. He says, I didn't believe in lizard people till I saw Dave Meltzer in person. He gave off lizard person vibes. So there we go. That's proving a, uh, he, a, he a does look, he, he does look very lizardy. Doesn't mm. he? He's got that kind of like lizardy texture to his skin. Yeah, and that other fella as well who used to come out with Boris Johnson and stand at those podiums and talk about coronavirus and stuff. Do you remember when they said like the daily briefings? Oh, um, is it Reese Mogg? I don't know. I don't know. But he's definitely a lizard person. Yeah, the medical dude. He looks like a lizard. He just looks like one. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's not Jeff Reese Mogg. He's the one with the glasses who who looks like uh, Lord Snooter. Okay. I know the one you, you mean. He's got no chin. Yeah, that's right. And that makes him look like a lizard. He does look like... He, look, he oh, looks very like lizardy. See? It's the chin. That's what it is. Huh. Yeah, but Dave has a chin. 
He also has a forked tongue, so... Right, well, yeah. He's also a dick. And <laughs> Rob continues, his main conspiracy theory is that Ed Ferrara is secretly writing NXT as they film at Full Sail with help from students and faculty and lectures TV writing there. I don't think Ed Ferrara can teach anybody about TV writing. To be honest, if yeah, how how is Ed Ferrara, whose biggest claim to fame is mocking somebody with Bell's palsy mm. as a character called Oklahoma? How is he telling people how to write TV? That's that's no. ridiculous. No, but, but uh, Rob, wasn't he just... Rob, it may be right though. It may be writing <laughs> NXT 2.0. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he was just effectively like Vince Russo's little laptop yes man yeah he was yeah well i think he he did a a lot of like the writing back behind the scenes him and vince um really worked worked uh a lot together but on screen he was essentially vince's lackey okay yeah fair enough fair enough and then they went to wcw oh dear um <laughs> we have here at bb underscore 95 says the paul is dead conspiracy theory is hilarious to me because what are the odds that you lose one of the best songwriters of all time and then find someone who looks and sounds exactly like him who also happens to be one of the best songwriters of all time yeah it's 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 ridiculous to even contemplate the fact that that could have happened Mm. that that you can find someone who's exactly the spit image of paul mccartney sounds exactly like him and then also is able to uh, to write and play music as well as Paul McCartney. Yeah, it's ridiculous. They the play things into that it, people believe. The Beatles, they play into it, though, don't they, with the whole Billy Shears character, mm-hmm. Sgt. Pepper, mm-hmm. is supposed to hint towards this, and they're obviously just having a bit of a wind-up, I'm guessing. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, it is it is a bit crazy. But there's others as well, isn't there? Like Avril Lavigne, they reckon... Uh, there's, there's a thing about Avril Lavigne is, um, like, not actually the original Avril Lavigne and stuff like that. Yeah, I've I've seen um, bits about that. I don't really know a lot about it, but apparently she doesn't smile the same. Um, she doesn't sing the same. I mean, who's listened to an Avril Lavigne song since Skater Boy? Hmm, nobody. So how would you know? Well, I suppose. I suppose, yeah. Um, and also, people get older. Their faces are going to change. And when yeah. she did Skater Boy, what was she, like 15? I think she may have been a little bit older than that, but... Right, okay, yeah. but still. She was like late teens. Yeah, so, I mean, what is she now, 30-odd? Yeah, she'd be probably touching 40 now. Mm, well, there you go then. No, I, I look a bit different now to what I did when I was 15. Yeah, a little bit. A beard, a beard and everything. Yeah, exactly. I've grown up proper. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, our good buddy at Scottish Juggalo on Twitter, Colin McAldy, the middleweight champion of all of Kent. He says here, not really a conspiracy theorist, but I do believe in two things. One, Lemmy is God. Two, God is Lemmy. For a split second, I actually thought he was referencing my cat, but then I was like, no. I mean, <laughs> that, that also could apply, because the cat mm. is is the God in your house, because well, he does yeah. what he wants, and he wants what he does. Yeah, I got, I'll got. i put some pictures up online later on of him that we got the other day. He, he's got a thing now about sitting on top of the fridge, but okay. he's obviously decided that the fridge is now his fridge. So there's pictures of me and my daughter live at separate times going to try and open the fridge door 
or going over towards the fridge and, and then just swiping up. Yeah, so get, get away from the fridge. So it's doing wonders for my diet. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that's a secret mission that uh, that Sharon's giving you. Go yeah, maybe. <laughs> Don't let him get in. That big lardy hairy bastard. Don't let him open that fridge anymore. <laughs> oh, we have here. At Milwaukee's one, he says, for me, the whole Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, pedophilia and references to Oof. pizza has to be one of the stupidest things I've ever heard people believe. I actually said, I think on Twitter, I'm going to look into that one. So I don't know what it is. And did you? I did not. No, you didn't. That's so. I think because we're touching on a bit of a darker subject there, we'll just uh, skip over that one, Maxie. I mean, we, we when we were talking about this in, 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 in the chat before, and uh, we did say if we get some little bit, maybe uh, touchy ones, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll quickly slide past them. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Skip over those, but we've been quite lucky. because I don't think we have any that is that bad other than Mill or Chris there, you know, mentioning. Bring in the tone down, oh. sir. Can you bring, bring in the, the tone down? Yeah. Can you bring the bring tone in down? Bring the tone down. No, no. <laughs> uh, our good friend of the show, Dan Griffin at Dan Griffin21 on Twitter. Quite a bit coming in from Dan here. Thank you very much, Dan. Yes. He says, Get a personal favorite. Sorry. Get your hot chocolates in and, Get your hot chocolate. <laughs> and buckle in for this story. A personal favourite conspiracy theory faux pas is flat earth societies unironically proclaiming they have members all over the globe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I don't get believing oh. in flat earth, but he goes on. He carries on with, with that it. That just tickles me. But all, they got them all over the globe. That's funny. Flat earth is stupid anyway, but that lack of self-awareness is awesome. Going along with the flat earth theory, some of the flat earthers have decided that Australia doesn't exist and any Australians you've ever seen on TV or met are actually paid actors to maintain the lie that the earth is round. Mm-hmm. There's, um, there's a, a, and I think it's a Netflix documentary and I think, I think it's called chasing the circle or something like that. And okay. it's about, it's about these flat earthers who are adamant that the earth is, is a disc and it's, and it's not round. And they get hold of this, uh, this, uh, machine that, uh, can, can essentially, it fires a beam of light and, and then it goes all the way around the earth. And, and if, it, if the machine is able to pick it up, it proves that the, the earth is round, uh, and they get this machine and it shows them up. It absolutely proves that the earth is, is a, is a, is a ball. Uh, but they're, they, they're still adamant that it's not, um, and the, the, the machine isn't calibrated correctly. And the, the, the theory they put forward is if you're on, if you're on the horizon, they can still see you. And they said that, that proves that it's a straight line, that it's flat. Not the fact that the, the, the earth is so huge that, the the curve is so slight that you wouldn't notice it yeah. to, to the uh to the human eye but yeah they're, they're fucking idiots it's insane it's absolutely insane australia's made up <laughs> yeah paid actors like oh. tens of millions of paid actors josh robinson friend of the show is not really australian he's just putting on that stupid accent for for a wage mm, nor is our mate chris mangle either you know, yeah, he's obviously not awesome. really Australia. <laughs> Been exposed now, Chris. Australia's yeah. not real. Okay. Exactly. exactly. So, I mean, like Kylie's from like Barnsley or something. Then. Yeah. <laughs> is that what is that what he is that what he's getting at? And, and she's putting on an accent the whole time. Of all the places. 
Barnsley. Like, I don't know why I said Bar- I don't know why I said Barnsley. I don't know when that came to me. I don't know. It seems like somewhere Carly Minogue would like anyway. But there we go. Yeah, anyway, no, anyway. No. People from Barnsley don't like Barnsley. <laughs> Dan Griffin continues. Hollowed Earth is always an amusing one too. And that there's a race of lizard people living inside that secretly rule the world. Only good thing about this one is it gave us the Solarians, sorry, in modern Doctor Who and played a part in the Godzilla versus Kong Monsterverse movies. Mm-hmm. Now, Hollow Earth lizards living on the inside, again, it's just nonsense, isn't it? It's just so why, why how can people think this? Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like we we haven't got science that proves that it's not true. <laughs> yeah, we haven't are... got science. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. ridiculous. Some of the, I mean, the these people who believe such ridiculous conspiracy theories, they get so uh, caught up in this this tangled web of bullshit that they don't know what's true and what's false. It's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, no, that's true, that's true. I mean, the chat there very quickly, we have Matt Willis trying to help me with the pronunciation of the Doctor Who villain. Thank you very much, Matt. And also you've written it in capitals there, so it looks like me pronouncing it wrong has irritated you a touch. So, Silurians, it says. It's, all, there. it's almost like, Matt, maybe you should have a Doctor Who podcast. Maybe, maybe. I mean, if I if me pronouncing Silurians wrong has irritated you, I apologise. I'll, I'll, I'll try and word it a different way. Silurians, is that better? How's that? Is that a bug, yeah? <laughs> anyway 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 dan continues i quite like the conspiracies around denver airport as well there's a time capsule that people reckon is related to the new world order not the hogan one that either contains a virus or the blueprint for rebuilding humanity post-apocalypse yeah and ah, okay I, th- I think they they, they also said there's a, a a system of tunnels underneath that that has a secret base for for the N- nwo uh kind of hierarchy um and so that'd be the original three hogan hall and Nash, wouldn't it, the hierarchy yeah. <laughs> the outsiders <laughs> uh, yeah. well um props to denver um airport they actually lean in on it and this this sounds all over uh, all of the airport, really kind of going into this uh, into this conspiracy theory bollocks that that's going on. Uh, but yeah, it's not. It's just a it's just a, an airport in the middle of nowhere. Mm. It, again, it's just mad. I suppose all it takes is for somebody to say something and there to be like a a, a coincidence or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like Chinese whispers, isn't it? It gets passed to one person and another, and it all escalates and. And, just, and nowadays, you don't even need to pass it to another. You just put it on Facebook, and then mm. it just spreads like absolute wildfire. Facebook, yes. Facebook facts. Yes, exactly. Facebook facts. Oh, man. I hate Facebook so much. You know, Facebook's good for keeping in touch with certain people and, you know, family and, and so on or whatever. But on the whole, it just does my nut. But at the same time, Twitter pisses me off now. I used to love Twitter, but I get me out of it now because I seem to be getting more and more idiots just turning up on my timeline and it is obviously an unfollow block whatever of course it is mute whatever but i still read it in initially to block them in the first place and it just gets on my nerves now that is that a you thing though is it just you being a grumpy grumpy old curmudgeon no i don't know i don't think so because i always liked i, I said to you before tonight, i've never really come across Barring the issues with the usual idiots like storms and that who's now been blocked and apparently yes. he's, he's moved over to instagram brilliant excellent stuff get rid of him uh you know all those all those idiots like that i've never really encountered any issues on wrestling twitter it's just reading other people having issues and it's just like oh 
Whereas I've encountered multiple issues, and uh, you attract and I, trouble, though, Max. I don't know why. I, I haven't re- <laughs> re- recently. I've, I've actually been really, really good, and I've not, uh, I've not been controversial or been uh, cancelled for a while yet. Mm. But it's coming. Fair. I'll, I'll do or say something very soon that gets me cancelled. <laughs> uh, hopefully that does not occur because I don't want to have to search for a co-host for this show and I'm not going to do it on my own Scot- check- Scottish Danny's there well, waiting yeah. in the wings Scottish to- Danny can step in yeah <laughs> I think I think I saw him outside my house the other day like, I, you know, yeah but that's a different story Magsy you want to change them locks <laughs> <laughs> uh, at GriffinK1 on Twitter he says he quite likes the Prince Charles is a Dra- is Dracula theory as it is rooted in somewhat truthfulness He's a descendant of Vlad the Impaler. I didn't. I wasn't aware of this that he was supposed to be Dracula. Or I've, I've, I've heard. I've heard that he, the 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 bullshit theory that he's one of the undead. Um, I didn't know he was a, a, a descendant of Vlad the Impaler. Well, that's that's pretty interesting. But mm. he's also a bit of a dickhead, isn't he? Yeah. See, it's informative. Look, it's informative. This show. You're learning. Well, I, I'm learning anyway. I don't know about anyone else. You know? <laughs> and, and I love the the fact that you put the count from from Sesame Street as, yeah. <laughs> as, as Dracula. I literally just typed into the gift bar vampires, and that came up. And I was like, well, I'm no way going to ignore that because that's the best vampire. One, Connor knows stuff at Connor knows stuff on Twitter. Busy, busy little boy chucking out plenty of content with his podcast covering Ozark that I listened to the other week. Mm-hmm. Ozark's restarting, I think, last week was the first episode of season yeah. four. Brilliant, brilliant show. Uh, Looking forward to watching that. That's on my homework to to watch. We just mm. uh, me and the wife just finished watching Archive eighty one. Uh, okay. So, so yeah, I think Ozark may be the next thing we we jump into. Was that good? Because that's an I've seen an advert for that. Okay, so you'll like it because it involves a little bit of kind of a uh, other world stuff and and uh, not necessarily time travel, but the melding of of universes uh, and kind of supernatural stuff. The ending kind of the well, the last episode kind of uh, I don't want to say ruined it, but threw me for a bit of a loop. Um, okay, because it comes from nowhere uh but the whole build-up really kind of a um supernatural really kind of slow burning so i'd recommend it definitely and there's definitely going to be a second season uh that's that's without a shadow of a doubt they really played into that oh excellent okay i'll check it out Cheers, mate. anyway connor knows stuff yeah, go and check out connor's work as well you can find links to his stuff on twitter at connor knows stuff spelled k-o-n-o-r knows stuff connor says Oswald didn't act alone in killing JFK. It's been proven that firing two rapid shots off with a bolt-action rifle is impossible. Mm. There's no doubt he was involved, but he did have connections to the Russian Special Forces, the KGJB, he's put here, but I'm sure he means KGB. There is also a theory that the man who shot Oswald, uh, which was a guy called Jack Ruby, who shot and killed Oswald on live TV while he was being transported to another prison, died of stomach cancer in prison. The theory is whoever else was involved knew Oswald was going to talk and pointed Ruby to kill Oswald before he had the chance. Before he had the chance to talk, sorry. And they knew Ruby was close to death and Ruby died before the beans could be spilled. Now, JFK is one that there's so much... I mean, obviously, there's a Kevin Costner movie about it. There's all. Mm-hmm. It's almost like... You mentioned conspiracy theories. This is almost like one of the first ones everybody brings up, isn't it? The JFK shooting. And and the grassy knoll and things like that. Yes. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, but I, uh, I think the for me the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, I do, I do believe that it would be damn near impossible for uh, for Oswald to be able to get those two shots off so quick. Like I said, with a bolt action rifle, it's a it's a case of you have to load and and uh, and uh, inject the old cartridge. A moving car, um, yeah, that's going to be incredibly tough for him to do. Um, so I do believe that there is something there, uh, quite what it is. I don't think we'll ever really know the, the the full story because all the people involved are either dead or they've kept their kept their cards so close to the chest. Now there's no point in them uh, revealing it. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely somewhat suspicious there. Yeah, and there's so many little oddities, isn't there? You know, the, the, there's people in pictures when everyone else is running away and they're looking in the different direction, very calm. Uh, and there's, there's lots of little things that you look at and, and it's, you know, stuff you can quite easily access anywhere online or, or whatever, where you can see these images, these pictures and the amount of recreations of the shooting itself and so on mm-hmm. that prove, you know, it's, it, it's such a difficult thing. It's not impossible, but it is such a difficult thing to have done. It, yeah. There's more to it than, than just, you know, Oswald's going a bit crazy, I think, isn't there? Definitely, yeah. definitely. And then there's the whole kind of uh, political backstory of, of, of the Kennedys and who he was and wasn't in bed with at the time and who, what enemies he had. So, yeah, it's uh, there's definitely more to it than than just one lone gunman uh, performing a near impossible pair of shots. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe that there's more to it than that. Yeah. Have you heard um, the Saxon record, Dallas 1pm? I haven't. Okay, Saxon are, you know, 80s rock band from... Oh, there you go. They're from Barnsley, actually, Saxon. So they'd have grown up with Colin Minogue. <laughs> but uh, they released a song called Dallas 1pm, and it's about the shooting of JFK. It's really good. It's a great record. Not, you know, particularly relevant to any conspiracy theory or anything like that. It's just a good song. But, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> what have we got there? Conor McCabe. The US government released... Several hundred once classified documents in 2017, but they didn't tell us the whole story and we will never know what really happened. Yeah, I remember that happening. I got quite excited because there was, um, it's to do with a a certain time frame that, you know, government documents have to be released to the public, but I think it's 65 years or 45, whatever it may well be. They have to be made public, um, public domain, I guess. And these files were released that referenced the JFK shooting. However, big sections of them were missing and big sections of them were blacked out. So redacted, I think they call it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. You're not gonna find anything out, are you? Nothing at all. But there we go. That's why it's a conspiracy theory, isn't it? Because people are still guessing. Exactly. Exactly. Our fake Australian, because you know you've been exposed now, Australia's not real. At Mango underscore Chris, he says here can't think of any weird beliefs however my unusual wrestling viewpoint is i've never been totally on board with the valid validity of the montreal screw job which is interesting because we covered that a few weeks back max didn't we about you know and, and the, there are people who think it was a work i can't see how how anyone can actually genuinely believe yeah okay you can have a little bit of a you know the little bit of a mindset of okay well that's a bit ropey you know everyone seems to benefit from benefit from it short term mm-hmm. so was it a work but no, no way. I mean, I'm I, again kind of like the JFK thing. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. That uh, that people were in the know who claimed to not be in the know. Uh, 
there was all the kind of contract negotiations going on with with Brett. Um, so it, nobody was in that uh, was the innocent party for me. Uh, the, everybody had something to gain from it. Um, so we we'll we'll probably again never really get the full story of it, but we can make educated guesses that um, it it wasn't exactly how it was told to us um, via either WWF or via Brett. I think the the, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Brett screwed Brett anyway, so it was his own fault. It was his own fault. Vince was right. Mm-hmm. Uh, good cop, bad cop wrestling podcast at Good Bad Russell on Twitter. Quite a funny little comment here about the flat earth, the flat earth theory. Yeah, he saw something this week along the lines of the earth is seventy percent water and it's not carbonated, therefore it is flat. Well, that was great. That tickled Brilliant. me. Brilliant. <laughs> and. At MGB Graham at MGB Graham on Twitter. I know this isn't really about superstitions, but I do salute solitary magpies when I'm in England and I see them. That is yeah. clearly plain daft, but I still do it. Right I now, do. here, we, yeah, that's the I did, but I don't know why I do it. Why do we do that? Morning, Mister Magpie. Yeah, exactly. Why do we do that? I don't because one magpie is bad luck. So if you salute him, he's not going to shit on you when he flies past. I suppose, but a bird shitting on you. It's supposed to be good luck. Not a magpie, though. Is it not? Because he'll steal your wallet at the same time, you see. Oh, okay. Is it only one, is it? Yeah, it's like one for sorrow, two for joy, is it? Yeah, for magpies. Right. Three for yeah. a girl, four for a boy, and all that sort of thing. Okay. But what I mean is, is it only when you see one you're supposed to salute? I mean, if I see more than one, I'll, I'll salute them all separately. You see a big flock of them, you're there for 20 minutes. <laughs> Getting cramped in your arm for all the <laughs> Well, the reason I ask is I, I've always done that. I've always saluted the magpie and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Never really uh-huh. known why. And yeah. I, I don't get the thing of it only being one. I've always just saluted them all. Even even Millwall Chris uh, says he, he doesn't salute them, but he does say hello to them. And uh, we don't do it to any other to any other animal it's weird isn't it like you see yeah. a robin go past you don't like salute a robin yeah what is well, it about what what do magpies have over the human population that they deserve a they deserve a salute you know yeah. what from now on because graham said it's, it's daft and because there's no ram or reason i'm going to give him a one-fingered salute next time i see a magpie i don't think this can end well surely probably not but i'll test my theory yeah. Okay. Report back next week, Maxie. See how. I think what if you've had an actually, you know, a, a an unlucky week. So from this moment onwards till next week's chain wrestling, make mental notes or whatever of moments that you think, okay, that was good, that was bad, luck wise. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're having a good week, a bad week, whatever, and see if it coincides. You might you might have like a really bad week next week because you stopped saluting the magpies, and then we know, we, you know, in a very highly professional scientific way. We've um, <laughs> and then I'll I will wholeheartedly apologise to Mister Magpie, hmm. and it, and if if I don't have a bad week, the Magpie Magpies can fuck off. <laughs> that's okay. That's the that's the intro for the audio version. Though. It's just a little, a little <laughs> clip there. The Magpies can fuck off because <laughs> no one when they press play is going to know what we're on about. <laughs> uh, good friend of the show, Handy T One T F at Handy T One T F on Twitter. He says, he's not a conspiracist. I've got my own physics theory, though. 
See, we're getting educated again, Magsy. Okay. Yeah. I believe that when the universe stops expanding, that it will start a chain reaction as it contracts into supermassive black holes, reaching a final point of singularity, sparking the next Big Bang. Parallel universes are just reflections from previous Big Bangs in an endless loop. Okay. I don't really understand any of that. And I'm not going to lie, there are certain words I struggle to read. <laughs> so as long as there's no Sheldon involved, uh, I'd be happy with the Big Bangs. I, I, uh, I will point you to a, a, a Brian Cox um, documentary series that he's done on, on the BBC player where it goes into uh, the universe and talks about uh, how how it began uh, and the Big Bang and things like that. Um, so it's really, really interesting. And he talks about the, the time before the Big Bang uh, and the time that's going to come ha- after, uh, essentially, the the universe has expanded to the to the point of of it can't expand anymore and the eternal darkness that, that is going to come from that. Uh, so, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Hmm, okay. I'll check it out. I mean, it's nice and handy to put that forward as well. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. quite understand all of it, but I'll look into it maybe. Um, and blatantly, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Our good friend Steve-O, at Total Steve-O on Twitter, he says here, 9-11, as much as I just say, yep, what happened, happened. Those towers collapsing like they did is not normal. I've seen something I've delved deep into and of the whole day that along with the Pentagon attack, are still anomalies. I must have watched the incredible loose change a thousand times. It's incredible. Sorry, that was over two tweets then. That's what you remember to tweet what he was on about. <laughs> yeah, 9-11, Magsy. I, uh, I don't know. It's obviously a terrorist attack. It, You know, I don't want to sort of touch on anything too dark here, but there's also a lot of things you look at and think, well, that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... Um... Uh, again, I, I wouldn't want to take a side in this because I've I've not watched the documentary that, uh, mm. that Steve was talking about. Um, I wouldn't uh, even um, I wouldn't even pretend to to have the scientific knowledge. I know there was a lot of our talk uh, at the time about how uh, steel uh, doesn't melt at the the temperature that that uh, that uh, plain fuel uh, burns at and things like that. All I know is that it was a massive, massive waste of life at, yeah, at the exactly. time. And, and um, I will never um, get out of my head the the images of of people uh, having the the choice of staying and burning or jumping out of a uh, of a, a window hundreds of feet in the air. Uh, just the hope of of of, of surviving that. Yeah, it's a, it was a, a a criminal criminal waste of life. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll just leave that there. I think uh, Steve continues here. There was an amazing Darren Brain episode delving into one of the JFK conspiracies revolved around hypnotism. Stephen Fry was involved. Of course, Darren was proven right and makes you think that's what could have happened. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, you do you talk about brainwashing and so on, don't they? And, and yeah, the, the Manchurian candidate and things like that. Yeah. Where people people are, uh, are in a fugue state and hypnotized and, and have the kind of trigger words that, uh, that, that set them off on these paths of destruction. It's things that uh, governments have certainly attempted to do. Uh, I mean, there's the, the famous MK Ultra uh, experiments that the US government did where they, they tried to essentially create super soldiers and stuff like that. So, mm. yeah, I, I do think the, the government have attempted to, to do things like that, whether they still do it now, uh, who's to say. But, yeah, it's uh, never trust governments. No, no, I agree. Uh, Steve continues here as well. 
saying he doesn't know specifics, but heard certain things that have happened in various wars, i.e. the Gulf, the Falklands, etc. The information has confirmed mad conspirators were actually right all along, which is really scary when you think about it. Yeah, I, I do. I, I get that because it is that thing of people who believe some of these conspiracy theories, they're often just painted as being nuts, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And we've had a bit of a laugh about the the flat earthers and the lizard people and all that sort of stuff earlier in the show. But it's almost like they, they get sort of brushed under the carpet just for, oh, listen to that crazy old bass or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like it's, 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 the, it's the same kind of principle of if it was true, it's the best defense they could possibly have. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and what people don't realize is just how lucrative wars are for for if you are super rich and you've got your your sticky little fingers in many many pies uh it's it's absolutely lucrative to have a war because if you're playing both sides you're selling weapons to one side and selling weapons to another side you're you're making double the amount of money uh yeah so that was um, a film wasn't it was, was it nicholas cage in that film yeah lord of war yep that's it yeah yeah sharon and that I, I think jared leto was in that so uh, that's yeah, he, he was the brother, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good film, guys. I've seen that a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve O continues the moon landing interests me, especially how desperate America were to win the race. There's also something I heard years ago about records of high profile deaths or catastrophic events that, under suspicious circumstances, that after 100 years is when you can look at the records and re examine and possibly price what happened. I, a few years back, there was an unveiling that, yes, the Titanic did hit an iceberg, but the reason it penetrated was because there was a fire below and weakened the steel. It was a Channel 4 documentary. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's true. I we'll get to the Titanic in a bit. But. Yeah, I think there's also, like, um, was the issues with the, the engine was so huge that you mm. couldn't put it into reverse without it needing like miles and miles of, of, of space. Yeah. And the fact that they didn't see the, the iceberg till way too late. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, uh, again, another thing that we'll probably never know the real reasons why, uh, the Titanic sunk, but it's a massive waste of, of human life. It is. It is. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it for, for Twitter this week, Maxie, to be honest. So, I mean, we mentioned the Titanic there. That's something I want to sort of touch upon briefly in a moment. But have you got any that sort of stick in your mind, conspiracy theories-wise, or anything that makes you giggle or piques your interest? Yeah, there's there's one that we've we've kind of touched on, but we've we haven't really delved too much into, and that's uh, the 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 theory of of a new world order or or an Illuminati or a group of uh, of people who are above us. Now, I'm not saying I believe in any of of the the wild stories about like lizard people and and things like that, but I do believe that the the super rich or there is a groups of uh, really uh, influential people and families who who do control the kind of uh the a lot of the way that the the, the world is run uh because there's the old adage of uh the the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and there's a reason because of that because we're being uh we're essentially the 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 masses for them to to stay rich so yeah i do think that there's a a higher echelon of of influential people who kind of like have more dictate more of what goes on in the world than 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 perhaps we know yeah i i, I get i get that i get that sort of because there's so much history to that as well isn't there? there's so much i suppose things you can trace back and it, again it comes back to that whole the jfk thing with so many your know, little oddities that you mm-hmm. can point at and go well there's all these little things surely there it, it does point to something 
yeah. you know and and what you're saying there is the same for like, all these years decades centuries whatever there's always little things that could potentially point towards this big thing we're thinking of isn't it mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i wouldn't i certainly wouldn't make the leap to say that uh uh the, there's a, a massive secret society but i would say that the richer you are the more influence and the more swear that you've got mm. yeah yeah fair enough um with regards to the titanic it's one of my i don't know the right term i don't know the favorite conspiracy theories is, is that, i guess the right term whatever uh, but i i love the sort of looking into that and the story behind that and the theory that it was an insurance job. Have you heard about this? I have. Yes. With the twin ship, the, uh, the Olympic, and it was actually the Olympic that was damaged a few days previously and they couldn't get an insurance payout for this. So they wanted to sink it. And if they, they switched the Titanic for the Olympic and they want to sink it completely to get the insurance money, which Mm -hmm. then, led to the titanic or, or the olympics sorry having titanic's i suppose details on it the name and and, and various other things like the the, the ashtrays the cushions and so on that you can find all this online the differences between the olympic and the titanic there's pictures that compare the two ships and then the ship that actually sank looks more like the olympic than it does the titanic and so on and the idea was that there would be lots of ships in the area to pick up the people who who sadly were on this boat that was being sunk, the way it was going to be sunk was done in such a way that there's plenty of time to get everybody off on the lifeboats. So there'll be no loss of death. Sorry, loss, loss of life, sorry. And they get their insurance payout. Things went, obviously, in, in theory, went drastically wrong. These certain ships weren't around at this time because Titanic plowed on so famously so quickly. They were trying to get across the water in record time. So they arrived before these other ships were there to pick up the the, the people involved in the crash, uh, in, in the sinking. Massive loss of life. And the, you know, the things that add to that theory being that quite famous, well-known, wealthy people. Magazine, I suppose, similar to what you were talking about there, that sort of hierarchy of, of wealthy people that you know are in the know, I guess. Many of them were booked on the Titanic's maiden voyage. The day of or the day before, they all kind of stepped away and said, we're not going. You know, and didn't give any reasons or anything like that. So there's lots of these little bits and bobs. Again, you have to jump on. We've only got, you know, an hour and a half, two hour podcast here. Your best bet is literally to look this up yourself and have a read of it. It is, again, nonsense. It is crazy. But it's, again, what makes a great conspiracy theory is there's little bits and bobs that make you think, well, hang on a second. Why is that like that? It's absolutely yeah. fascinating. That, that The Titanic Olympic switcheroo i guess is something i really enjoy looking into and reading about myself yeah yep and and, and to add to that uh in uh Cone, which is a town a couple of a couple of miles over from me um they have they have um um a titanic museum uh because the uh the band leader and the 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 lead violinist um uh wallace uh henry hartley was from Cone. um he's the guy who famously or infamously kept the band playing whilst the, mm. the boat was going under. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a, a little museum with a lot of kind of like memorabilia and, and, and things from, from the Titanic. And um, one Halloween, we actually went to uh, a showing of, of the film Titanic at that, at that, um, 
uh, that museum, which was pretty okay. cool, pretty pretty eerie as well, uh, because um, we watched the film, which is obviously uh, made for entertainment, but we also yeah. uh, watched a, a a documentary that that kind of like went into uh, the details of of, of the, the building of Titanic and and how its size was ultimately what what brought it down because it was so hard to control, uh, and and when they they did run into danger. There was not a lot that they, they could do about it. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, very interesting. Obviously, you know, again, huge loss of life. Very, very sad what happened. Mm-hmm. There's so yeah. many, so many conspiracy theories and what ifs and why did this happen and, and mistakes made. Just fascinating thing to look into. Uh, Magsy, before we get talking about a bit of wrestling, should we have a little catch up with what's going on in the chat? Yeah, and there's uh, there's there's quite a lot. So um, let's get back um, to Matt. He uh, he obviously slated you for your pronunciation, uh, yeah. and then he said he wasn't invited to be involved. He puts a lol at the end, but I've, I have a feeling that that lol uh, it doesn't mean that lol. He's actually really upset, uh, and he also mm. he also admits that he would have taken over the podcast. <laughs> um, With regards to that, um, Dan and I. It's you know the podcast is is coming out on the second of February. When when you start hearing the episodes, because we recorded the majority of the first season, when you start hearing the episodes, you'll hear that the plan is when we do season two to bring guests on, and the, the guests hopefully will be picking their own Doctor Who story for us to look at and review, and and, and that's the sort of plan we have for certain episodes coming forward. So there will be an opportunity, Matt. Don't you worry, my friend. And after after slating you on your own podcast, I don't think you should invite Matt. I think you should make it uh, a thing to not have Matt on the on the show. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that could be our tagline. <laughs> yeah. uh, Scottish Danny saying that uh, one of his old jobs, he had a they had a flat earth there, and she spent ten minutes trying to tell everyone that Australia wasn't real, and was uh, promptly laughed out of the room. Um, for some reason, uh, Danny's saying Mags is short for shit magnet. It's actually is short for magnet, uh, but I'm sure I've told that story before, so I won't bore you with that. Um, Scottish Danny again saying it was a uh, bang bang uh, Andy outside my house, and uh, funnily <laughs> enough, Andy rocked up uh, saying Greece is from COVID infested Bristol, or is it really COVID infested Burnley? And you are peeping through my windows as we speak, sir. Um, <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, Dan Griffin says he tells pigeons to fuck off. Does that count? Absolutely. Pigeons should always be told to, to fuck off. Airborne rats, mate. Yeah. Um, Dan is, again comes back and says, uh, I like the family guy theory of creation that God and his roommate Chugs were arm wrestling. God lost. So he ripped a fart into a ladder and thus created the universe. That is brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, Millwall Chris added another wacky conspiracy theory, saying that the gunpowder plot was a setup and Gar Fox was innocent. Well, again, I, I think um, there is no good on either side of, of, of that one. Um, uh, bang Bang bringing up Tugboat's World Tight Run. Now, that is a massive conspiracy theory. Um, well hidden from everyone. Exactly. Uh, and then he goes, can he put forward the ultimate, uh, the original Ultimate Warrior being dead and that they brought in a, re- a replacement with a slightly different haircut who is now actually dead too? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I remember this. There, There is the, the theory that it is a replacement because of how small his muscle structure yeah. were, but 
there is also the the issue of the steroid trials and uh and Vince wanted people to to maybe not be on the on the laughing gas as much as they were. So I think it it may be a, a case of that. Mm. It did then, look so different, didn't he, at WrestleMania eight when he returned? He did look yeah, so he, different. He looked thinner, um, he looked gauntry, he'd had highlights in his hair. Um, yeah. So it I mean it might be true. I mean it could have been the renegade in disguise. Well, yeah. Well, no, the renegade went around then, was he? Later on, the exactly. renegade came. exactly went around because it was it was moonlighted oh. as the ultimate warrior. Mm. Mm. So that's why WCW hired the renegade to play the renegade because he had experience of actually playing the warrior as the warrior. Exactly, exactly. Oh, Always think mind. So. Blown, mate. <laughs> and the last one for now, um, Dan, agreeing with me about the the NWO and the the, the rich uh, and their their kind of uh, influence over the world, saying the super rich in Britain just get pissed in Downing Street. Yeah, and apparently it's come out today that Boris had a birthday party, and he still didn't realise that it was a party. So hmm, there we go. Oh man, I don't want to get into politics. It makes me <laughs> no. <laughs> so instead of getting into some politics, let's get into some wrestling. Yes, uh, let's get ready to rumble. And it, it's actually um, quite apropos that we we're saying let's get ready to rumble because we're talking about a rumble. Oh yeah, oh. we are. Yeah, sorry, sorry, rumble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking idiot. When you said oh, rumble. We are. Yes, we, that's <laughs> right. Oh yes, it is a rumble. It when you said it. when you said rumble, I guess because I'm all war rumbled out at the moment, mate. You've got the war rumble coming up this weekend, don't you? Which, you know, which Matt is, Willis is doing a live watch along on uh on the channel. Um so I, you may see a few familiar faces pop up uh in on that. Yeah, and I I've not watched any WWE television. So, I mean, I'm going to watch the Rumble because I do it every year, the Rumble and Mania, and, you know. Mm-hmm. But normally I've started watching a bit of Raw and SmackDown at this stage. To catch to get, Yeah, to get in, yeah, to get caught up or in the mood or whatever properly for the Rumble. I've still not watched any, mate. No, I mean, I haven't. I'm, I'm the kind of WWE fan who will just watch the pay-per-views. And to be fair, I haven't really watched a lot of the pay-per-views uh, mm-hmm. recently. Uh, they're just... It doesn't seem to to grab me, but the the two things that I will watch are Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. Uh, so yeah, I'll be I'll be definitely watching uh, the Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, but that's the thing. I'm, I'm sort of all rumbled out. We spoke about a couple of rumbles back to back in recent weeks. We have got the Rumble coming out this weekend. So when you said we're talking about a rumble, I was like, are we? And it completely threw me. I was like, what are you, what are you on about? <laughs> but you are right, Magsy. You are right. The Chai Town Rumble which was the name given to the NWA pay-per-view broadcast in 1989 that we're looking at the main event from this week. Mm-hmm. And I am over the moon this one because I wanted to talk about this. I think I've put this forward in a poll before and it got beat. So I'm really glad that as we it got should. this. What do you mean, as it should? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's great. We're looking at Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair for the NWA World Championship. And it's the first match of their lauded, famous, fantastic trilogy of matches that happened in 89. Mm -hmm. 1989 to me is probably my, if I had to pick one year in wrestling, one company, it would be the NWA in 1989. That's peak for me. I think so many great matches, so many great moments, so many great storylines. 
just absolutely brilliant. Mags, what did you think of this then, mate? It was, it was shit. Crap. Was crap, it really, crap. yeah? Yeah. No, it, 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 this... <laughs> um, I've said time and time again on this show that uh, WCW and, and NWA wasn't my wheelhouse. I uh, wasn't watching uh, at the time. Uh, I've gone back and watched some of it um, um, uh, in my older years, but this this is classic wrestling. This is mm-hmm. everything that... that I enjoy about wrestling. Um, it's it's cool nowadays that you see such technical skill, uh, but you can't tell a story like this. This match tells a story. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This is just so so good. I mean, the basic gist of what takes us here is Ric Flair is a world champion. He's living the high life as Flair does talking about his expensive suits, the, 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 all the women he's, he's seeing and the, the Lear jets and all this stuff. Um, and there's a, he's involved in a tag match on an episode on a TV taping for Jim Crockett promotions. Mm-hmm. And the mystery opponent, one half of the team he's facing is somebody from his past. They say, which is true because they, they had some great matches feud him over the United States championship. In previous years, I think Mid-Atlantic carried quite a few of those on their television. So, you know, it is somebody from Flair's past. It's Ricky Steamboat returning from a run in the WWE where he put on some belter matches there as well, didn't he? With uh, the Macho Man and so on, WrestleMania 3, yeah. Yep. Um, And and, and they're kind of making it that... um, the only reason that he essentially they were saying that he was coming out of retirement or was contemplating mm. retirement, and the only reason he'd stick around is if he got a shot at this at this world title. Uh, and and the 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 kind of storyline is that Flair, like I said, is this um, flashy uh, jet jet uh, jet flying limousine riding um, kiss stealing wheelie dealing son of a gun, and Ricky Steamboat is a family guy. Um, and there's a they they do a really cool that like, video package uh, of how uh, essentially they build to this match uh, when uh, Flair is essentially telling um, Ricky to to go home and help the missus with the with the dishes. Yeah. I'm going out, uh, <laughs> and he's taking all these girls out the ring, and and uh, Ricky just lays into him, rips a fifteen hundred dollar suit silk suit, apparently according to Jim Ross, uh, essentially off Ric Flair's. Uh, back really really kind of heated and and you get excited for it just from that promo and mm. i think uh is it hero uh matsuda that is uh the manager of rick flair yep. at the time uh he gets involved yeah it's a, a really kind of a, a a good package to get you get you uh ready and primed for this match yeah and, and you said they're heated maxi that, that's what you really get with obviously that segment there but also the match as well mm-hmm. it's really I mean, obviously, these guys are fantastic. Ric Flair, to me, is the greatest of all time. Him and Shawn Michaels are, t- are tied, in my mind, as being the greatest to ever do it. Steamboat's right out there as well. As, as you'll probably remember from an episode of, of Badlands we recorded, he was on My Mike Rushmore, mm-hmm. uh, initially Ricky Steamboat. Two of the best to ever do this. And they look like... <sighs> they're so good at what they do, it really looks like a genuine fight. It looks like they are kicking the shit out of each other, for real. Yep. Yep. And that, to me, is what pro wrestling should be. And, and and it starts off really hot as well with the 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 opening shoulder block, which uh, um, is not usually how a Ric Flair match starts. It usually starts with like the the wrestlers uh, feeling each other out and, mm. and collaring elbow tie-ups and stuff like that. But this this the way this starts is yeah, he's he's unleashed a dragon to to coin a phrase in in Ricky Steamboat, someone who's who's known to be 
quite placid in the wrestling world. Um, and Ric Flair has, has, has got this kind of fire lit under uh, Ricky Steamboat. And yeah, the, 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 the shop exchange that they go into at the beginning. Oh my God. It's, it's brutal. Two of the, two of the best at doing uh, those like knife edge chops. Yeah. And the funny thing as well, there is you don't get the woo from the crowd after the chop because that hasn't come along yet, obviously. So it's strange for me because you've got these almighty chops and then no crowd effect afterwards because you get that in every company all over the world now, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's annoying, but there we go. Um, I've got a note here as well about the ring announcer, Gary Capetta. Just fantastic. I know I know it's like the simple it's people probably overlook it, don't think it, whatever. But this guy, he, to me, he's, he's announcing these guys into the ring. Or oh, well, actually Flair, Steamboat's entrance you don't see because it's on there. He got he got the jobber entrance. Yeah, got, how strange was that? Already stood in the ring waiting. Yeah. That's crazy. But then he he Kometa, he announces Flair to the ring and, and you know the, the following contest, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And it just makes me think, oh man, that he, he's just great at his job. He just sounds brilliant doing it. Yeah. And then you, you've got Jim Ross on commentary. I, I love Jim Ross in, in the Attitude Era. I think he, he was the soundtrack to many people's mm-hmm. uh, wrestling fandom. But here, you can hear a, a passion in Jim Ross. He He's so uh, energetic with his commentary. Uh, and there's even a, a, a point that he, he has a little dig at the WF as well when he yeah. says, uh, uh, um, uh, Flair essentially bringing back uh, Ricky Steamboat for for this uh, for this um, fight. He goes, and we do real wrestling here in the NWN. I thought, oh, Jim, twenty twenty two, Jim would be proud of you for that. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But he's right. I mean, you look at the differences between. I mean, this is this is February eighty nine. So you look at, I suppose, the next pay per view for the WWF would have been WrestleMania five, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. you got Hogan Savage main eventing that. Now, that's a good match. That's great. But it's great because of Savage. Yeah. Hogan is so cartoony and gimmicky. And it worked. Of course it did because they made so much money and, and, and good luck to them, whatever. But you look at Flair and Steamboat here. Again, I've, I'm going to repeat myself now. I apologize. But this is... This is a fight. This is a, They are mm-hmm. trying to... They're not, they're not putting on an exhibition... Like you see, I suppose some wrestling nowadays. And again, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting down wrestling today. There's a great deal of wrestling today that I enjoy, but it's not all about flips and 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 posing and uh, stunts and comedy or anything like that. And it's not all about, you know, Hogan going over and and being, you know, cupping his ear and selling to. You know, this looks like an actual fight. Mm-hmm. They both, they, and they, the most important thing for me is they both look like they are trying to win. It's important to win. They're not just going through a routine to get to the finish. They yeah. look like they're trying to win. Uh, and and they're coupling that with getting the the greatest hits of, of moves in there, which mm. is uh, it, it's a sometimes a hard balance to achieve to make it look realistic, but also get your move set. Um, get your moves set in. And if anybody is able to do that, Ric Flair is one of the best at him. Um, and obviously, uh, Ricky Steamboat is, he he's, should be on everyone's Mount Rushmore. He's such a, an amazing wrestler. The, the kind of influence he's had on, uh, on younger wrestlers today. He, he laid the groundwork for a lot of the, the action that you see nowadays in terms of half lying. 
yeah yeah definitely he, he's, he's just superb i mean we got some early moments that I, I i forgot happened in this match that when i see it back i think oh that was brilliant but again it's 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 relatively simple in comparison to what we see in wrestling nowadays but it's done so well it looks fantastic for example they're running the ropes and you get the usual leapfrog drop down spot and so on flair drops down to let steamboat run over the top of him but then rather than carry on running Steamboat drops down and just applies a headlock because Flair's already led down. So yeah, simple, but the crowd and, pop and it looks amazing. And then that leads to another exchange where um, nowadays it, it, it's something you see in pretty much uh, 90% of every matches, but you see uh, Steamboat, I think he does a, the head scissor takedown, the follows up with a drop kick, and then back to the headlock, which mm. um, it, it looks so basic compared to the wrestling that we see now. But at the time, this the smoothness, the way how they, the the two wrestlers work together. This is phenomenal wrestling. This is this is the bedrock of quality wrestling. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Some of the some of the early attempts at pinfalls as well. I mean, we get a near fall from the headlock, don't we? Mm-hmm. Steamboat has Flair in a headlock, and Flair's shoulders are down. The referee counts one, two, and then Flair just gets his shoulder up. And the and the better one, this is only about. I, I guess what, Maxi, 90 seconds, two minutes into the match, quite early on, isn't it? Yeah, pretty early. The crowd, they're doing such a good job of making this look legit. The crowd believe that could have been the end of the match because I mean, they react they, like Steamboat. Fuming if it well. were, but <laughs> Steamboat, they, they react like Steamboat could have won the world championship there. <laughs> and it's, it's the crater into it. And oh, it's just absolutely fantastic. It's so quick, all the leapfrogs, the chops. Just everything. Eventually, Ric Flair gets Steamboat to the outside, doesn't he? And that's where he kind of takes control for a little bit, Max, isn't it? Because before that, it's quite back and forth. Yeah, he starts with the typical uh, kind of dirty tricks, um, sending him into the guardrail, um, getting... Um, he, he, he do, we see the corner bump, which he does um, does quite a lot, but it's the the getting the, going for the figure four, using the ropes as leverage, all that kind of classic heel mm. uh, stuff which uh which works really really well uh but it, it it makes you kind of root for Ricky Steamboat that that much more it's uh yeah. it, it's it's so so good and I think that's quite important to, to point out as well Flair in 89 is the best in the world there's no one who can touch this guy you know Steamboat's yeah. fantastic Savage in the WWF is obviously very talented DVRC is there's there's great workers around of course there is but Flair is undoubtedly the greatest wrestler in the world. And it's that thing of, he, he comes out, says he's the greatest, looks the way he does. He's got all these beautiful women with him and he's talking about parties and that. He kind of end up liking the guy because he's such a, a sort of lad's lad, I suppose. And it's got to this stage where he's so good in the ring. People are actually starting to cheer for him a little bit in 89. Yeah. He, he's everything that, a guy wanted to be at that time. Mm. He wanted to have loads of money. Wanted to look slick. Uh, have uh, have uh, the the Rolexes and the and the gold rings and and the women hanging off every arm. Yeah, you 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 hated him because he was a douchebag, but you also kind of slightly admired him and kind of looked up to him. Yeah, and, and ultimately in '89 we do get a, a babyface run from Ric Flair, which is mm-hmm. it's, when you watch it back, it, it's good because again. 89 is probably peak flair, but it's still a bit odd when you watch some of it back as well, him being a very face. But anyway, in this match, he is so good and Steamboat is so good. I find that when they start cheering for him, 
it's almost like he doubles down on certain aspects and they do certain things in the ring and those cheers kind of disappear and everyone then gets behind Steamboat. The crowd isn't split and the crowd isn't, I'm not saying they split 50-50, there's like a small gathering of Flair fans, but even they end up, I think, cheering for Steamboat because Flair is so good at what he does. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a point where you, you, you hear the, the cheers really dissipate when uh, Flair is using uh, the ropes, put his feet on, uh, mm. puts his feet on the ropes to, to get multiple attempts at pins on, on Steamboat. And uh, the referee, I think it was Tommy Young, the referee, is essentially underneath Ric Flair's legs, really kind of checking on uh, Steamboat for, uh, for his shoulders being down. I think he attempts maybe six, seven times to, to count the pin. And it takes forever for Tommy Young to look up and realize that yeah. Ric Flair's legs uh, are, are on the ropes. Uh, so that really gets the crowd behind uh, 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 Ricky Steamboat because even though Ric Flair was cheating, using all that kind of uh, uh, pressure, uh, should have got the victory, Rick, uh, Ricky Steamboat just never said said da and was still trying to, uh, trying to kick out. So that got uh, those kind of... Uh, those fans who were creeping towards Ric Flair's side t- totally behind uh, Ricky Steamboat from then on. Yeah, I, I suppose similar to how we spoke about the ring announcer and the commentator, you know, obviously Jim Ross and so on, Tommy Young, the referee, needs a special mention here because mm-hmm. his he does his role, he does his thing perfectly. That spot with the ropes, he's believable. He's, he's getting conned by Flair. And then when he catches him and he all of that, and then obviously it, it will come to the finish shortly, but there's a ref bump as well, which normally I despise, but here it it seems to work as well. And, and everything that Tommy Young does, again, is perfect. Like People are going to look at Steamboat and Flair, but the supporting roles, the, I suppose the supporting players in this, this match, all tick the boxes that need to be ticked themselves as well, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they absolutely do. Um, and Tommy Young, uh, he he plays his part masterfully. Um, like like you said, he 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 does get combat by Flair, but he also he's in exactly the right position uh, for for the um, for the ref bump. He's in exactly the right position for for when Flair's cheating. It makes sense. You need that that third person to uh, to help the match flow, and he does his job perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, when Flair is in control, we see, I suppose, moves that Flair probably isn't renowned or famous for because most people, will, you know, of a certain age will know Ric Flair from his later WWE runs as opposed to watching him during this time. We see Flair use a double-arm suplex, which looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. We see, the, the as you mentioned, Maxie, the corner spot where he's thrown into the turnbuckles, flips over them, runs the length of the ring, climbs the other corner, but actually hits the crossbody this time, yeah. which didn't so, happen very often. Yeah. So fast and so smooth. It's just mm-hmm. people people talk about Ric Flair now and they mention all the divorces and the old man and the bundling around in certain gimmicks and doing, you know, all sorts of nonsense that goes hand in hand with, with, with Ric Flair now. You look at Ric Flair here. My God, was this guy amazing. Yeah, it's it's so so was. It's just, it's art. It genuinely is art watching watching him work, especially with someone who can keep up with him and and to who can wrestle it, uh, his tempo. People like Sting, people like um, uh, Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, it's it's like watching a living painting. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it, Maxie. 
Uh, we got Ricky Steamboat limping around, trying to support himself on the ropes because he's been in the figure four for a long time. And that, again, I think is really clever with the storytelling of the match because the sympathy that he's getting from the crowd mm-hmm. turns into cheers then. It turns into the, the sympathy is getting him the, the good guy heat he requires, I guess, which is such a simple thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. we see Bret Hart do it so well in the nineties as well. The the Bret Hart limp, as I call it, where whenever Bret Hart's been attacked, a limp develops and he hobbles around for a while. It's and and he keeps hobbling. That's the best thing. Yes. He, he keeps selling it, and and uh, Ricky does in in this match as well. He, he does uh, keep keep the the injury up. And far too often we see um, an injury played for for a little bit of sympathy, and then when you get back into the match, it's forgotten about. Uh, with guys like like Brett and like Ricky Steamboat, they they know that they've got to keep selling that injury to to keep that believability up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's just so good. Um, Rick Flair tries a crossbody in the ring, and it's a very high crossbody, and they both tumble over the top rope to the outside. I mean, what a, what a spot that was! I mean, again, you got to think this is nineteen eighty nine. This is, and what they're doing is just—it's all so fast, but also believable and brutal. It's just so so good. We get a backbreaker from Rick Flair, a belly to back suplex, a, a big delayed vertical suplex, a la I suppose the Bulldog, not quite as long, but that sort of similar vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Just great stuff, isn't it? Yeah, we see, I think uh, uh, Ricky pulls off a butterfly suplex, which is mm-hmm. absolutely stunning. Yeah, it's 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 just great chain wrestling, and mm. it, it's uh, it's it's kind of like a, a running joke now, I suppose. But this is just such good wrestling. It's so smooth and so so slick. There's uh, there's no wasted movement from from the two, but yet they're still able to make it look like. They absolutely hate each other, and yeah, and their 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 bloods are boiling. It's a great work, absolutely great work. I mean, ultimately, the the finish comes when Ricky Steamboat tries his top rope crossbody, which was his, his finisher, mm-hmm. uh, and that's when Tommy Young gets bumped. But it's it's a believable ref bump. It's not it's not Steamboat going out of his way to bang into the ref and it doesn't look natural. It's believable that the referee would be in the position he's in. Yeah. Cause essentially he's, he's uh, not sad, sad by sad with uh, Ric Flair. He's almost kind of a little bit behind Ric Flair, mm-hmm. uh, but he's, his view is certainly obscured. Uh, Ricky does the, 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 the crossbody goes to pin Flair, but, he, but Tommy Young is actually underneath uh, Ricky Steamboat and uh, Ricky's yeah. there looking around for the referee, and he's actually essentially pinning the referee. Uh, then we see um, <laughs> Teddy Long and Jesus Christ. If there's one uh, one thing about this match that uh, that made me laugh, it was Teddy Teddy Long's hairdo. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the one thing that doesn't work in this match. <laughs> no, I mean it's weird that. 1989 Teddy Long looks older than uh, you're going one-on-one with the Undertaker Teddy yeah. Long because he's got <laughs> he's almost a, a black Hulk Hogan with the hairstyle mm. that he's got. The scullet is now what they call it. It's not a good look. But um, Steamboat tries to go off the top rope again for another crossbody. Misses. Flair goes for the figure four. Steamboat rolls him up with, a, with an inside cradle. Teddy Long appears out of nowhere. I don't know where the hell he came from. He just emerges, well, doesn't he? He's, he's actually just lurking around on the the end of the ring, um, right. kind of like hanging on the the ring almost. Uh, wait, obviously waiting for 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 the the roll up. Uh, but it doesn't look 
fixed. I'm not saying that it looks fixed, but he's obviously kind of still concerned about uh, uh, Tommy Young, but knows mm. that there's a job to uh, job to be done. Uh, sees the roll up, slides in the ring, one, two, three, and uh, Ric Flair has 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 done the job cleanly, and Ricky Steamboat is is the man. He is the yeah. actual man. It's so, so good, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant. We get a little promo afterwards with Steamboat where I mean, he can't before see. You, before you, <laughs> yeah, before we get to that promo, which is which is hilarious, uh, we see a little bit of confusion with uh, with Tommy Young. Uh, with, uh, Teddy, Teddy Long hands the belt to, to, to Ricky, holds his arm, arm aloft, uh, and, and Hero and, and Ricky kind of chastising Tommy Young, saying, look what went on. Tommy, uh, Tommy Young is looking around. Then he just runs over to to Ricky and and holds his arm up. So both refs lift up uh, Ricky's arm, and we have a new world champion. Yeah, it's it's great, man. It's great. Steamboat goes backstage and is being interviewed, where lots of the baby faces there are, are celebrating with him. Uh, Luger, of course, has to be in a towel to display off his body naturally. <laughs> well done, Lex. Uh, everyone's spraying champagne all over Steamboat, and he gets in his eyes, and he can't a see. Lot. A and lot. He's, he oh <laughs> man, have you ever had champagne in your eyes, Max? I've, I've I've had champagne in my eyes yeah, a couple of times. Uh, it does sting, and oh, props it hurts to him. So bad. Prop, I mean, he struggles with the with the promo. It, it mm. it's very rambling getting to the, to the point. He, I think he's trying to thank the fans and thank the guys who, who've uh, supported him over over the last few years. And he gets there eventually, but you can tell his eyes are stinging. Um, his hair is absolutely sopping wet through. And even when he's trying to get his words out, you hear the likes of Sting and uh, Michael PSAs and Luger in the background really kind of trying to put him off, yeah. pouring champagne all over him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, <laughs> a funny little uh, a little promo. Yeah, it is. And that, and that kicks off, I suppose, uh, the trilogy that we get in 89. We, we get another match in a few months' time at the Clash of Champions. We get another match at Wrestle War, I believe, is the, is the final one. And they're just the whole lot, the whole thing is, is fantastic. All three of these matches are absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. At some stage, I hope we get the opportunity to look at the other two as we sort of bounce back and forth all over the place with, with, with the chain and, and the, the method of the show. Mm-hmm. But we're not looking at the other two right now. We're looking at this one, the first one. Charlie Time Rumble 1989. Out of 10, Magsy, what are you giving it? Yeah, I mean, this is classic wrestling uh, up there with some of the, the very, very best. Uh, like I said, it's part of a, an amazing trilogy. And taking this match in singularity, taking the storyline behind it and, and how crisp and clean it was in the ring. Yeah, this was this was uh, one of the best matches we've watched on, on this show, certainly. Uh, so I'm quite happy in giving this a nine. Okay. Okay, very high, very high. Not as high as me, though, mate. I'm pulling the trigger. Second week in a row. Ten. Wow. Wow. I've been stingy. I've been really stingy with my tens, but I'm giving two out in a row. Look at that. This, to me, I think is how wrestling should be done. It's absolutely fantastic. It's It's got everything from the referee, the commentator, the ring announcer, just all playing their parts perfectly well. Steamboat and Flair are incredible. 
it looks believable whilst they're still getting in high spots and so on as well. It's got brawling. It's got mat wrestling. It's got some aerial stuff from both guys. Mm-hmm. It's just the crater into it. it. Oh, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. So yeah, this is, this is another 10 mate. I'm afraid for me. Cy Dillinger over here dishing out the tens from Dan Griffin in the chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not many of them. Not many of them. Just two back to back. Yeah. This is a 10 for me, mate. This is, this is one of the best matches I've ever seen. I mean, you have a little bit of bias. Uh, I get oh, that. Of course. Um, but um, if I, someone who, who who doesn't have that kind of history with this era of wrestling, um, can give it a nine, I totally understand why you would give it a 10. Mm. Yeah. And if you've not seen this, if you're listening to this podcast, just because you love listening to me and Max, because we're bloody brilliant, then why you, wouldn't you? You absolute psycho. <laughs> if, if, you've not, if you've not seen this match before, then I implore you, seek it out on the WWE Network, get it on DVD, whatever you need to do. Track this match down. Flare Steamboat, Chai Time Rumble, 1989. And then hopefully you'll be inspired to then carry on watching the other matches in the trilogy as well. There's a two out of three fours contest and so on. Mm-hmm. It is that good. Honestly, it is incredible. But that's this week, Magsy. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go next week? Okay, so main star of this match, uh, the uh, the man, uh, Ric Flair, really kind of making uh, uh, Ricky Steamboat look a million dollars. Not that he needed much help. Um, <laughs> but uh, my link is is through Ric Flair. And it's gonna it's it's getting a little bit tenuous, but that's uh, that's how the cookie crumbles. So yep. I want to fast forward to uh, two thousand two. Now, if you uh, remember, in uh, late 2002, Eric Bischoff was the was the Raw general manager, and he awarded uh, Triple H the World Heavyweight uh, Championship, the big gold belt, your favourite mm-hmm. belt. Yeah. Um, and if you remember on that episode of Raw, the first challenger for that title was uh, was Ric Flair, obviously very much linked with uh, Triple H in, in the kind of evolution era uh, of, of wrestling and, and kind of was his... Uh, Almost his his go to guys valet, um, but after uh, a couple of months of, of um, Triple H escaping with that title with the skin of his teeth, um, it led to him having quite a few challengers uh, who were vying for that belt. Um, so the it, it's been credited to Eric Bischoff, but I believe Triple H also had a hand in it. Uh, it led to a, a very unique uh, match stipulation uh, being invented uh, for for Triple H uh, to defend that title. In. So I want to go to uh, Survivor Series of 2002 after Sar destroys his uh, his uh, setup there, oh, where no. we see the first <laughs> ever we see the first ever elimination chamber match. Um, where Triple H has to defend his uh, his um, uh, world heavyweight title against the likes of Shawn Michaels, uh, Chris Jericho, Kane, Booker T, and Rob Van Dam. So with it leading into uh, WrestleMania Chamber, which is uh, happening in, in the, uh, Saudi Arabia in a, in a few weeks, yeah, I want to go from uh, from the Town Rumble to Survivor Series 2002 and the the World Heavyweight uh, Championship uh, Elimination Chamber match. Oh man, that is such a match. That's so good. It is so, and what a pay-per-view. The whole pay-per-view is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant pay-per-view. Scott Steiner debuts as well. I love that debut. 
Obviously, it all went to shit very, very quickly, but the debut was good. <laughs> I mean, to, be, to be fair to Stan, he did have drop foot when he came into the, into the couple, yes. so it wasn't uh, 100% well. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's uh, my pick, and I'm already uh, buttering up the electric with Dan and Mrs. P, saying they do love Elimination Chambers, and, and obviously loving a bit of my name is Kane. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I don't really want to put anything up against it, because I want to watch that. And I know my match probably isn't going to win anyway. So. <laughs> you've said that for about the last four weeks, and you've, you're on a you're on a roll. So I am. I, am, I, am. I don't think this is in comparison. I don't think this is going to win. But what I would like to do, well, what I'd like to do is actually watch the elimination chamber. So vote for Max. But I'm going to put my match forward anyway. <laughs> what I would like to do is uh, taking Ric Flair as the link here, Flair loses the championship to his babyface challenger and makes you know and does all the good heel stuff that made flair brilliant to make his babyface challenger look like a legit babyface legend i wanted to see flair do exactly the same thing but on the other channel and that's when rick flair loses the wwf championship at wrestlemania 8 to the macho man I'd like to take a look at that one. I don't think we've seen enough Randy Savage on this show, Magsy. And that whole storyline, I mm. remember watching it at the time and thinking how, that was real. Thinking yeah. that, that that Liz was having an affair with, with Ric Flair and all the doctored images and stuff like that. It it looked genuinely real. So, yeah. yeah. That, and it's also a great match. So, it win, is. win. It is. It is a good match. And it's also, I think, something that gets overlooked quite a bit, that match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think WrestleMania 8 gets overlooked quite a bit anyway, in general. Yeah, Everyone remembers 9 because it was outdoors and it was shite. And Everyone remembers Black Air. Yeah. Everyone remembers. Everyone talks about 10. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone talks about 10 for the obvious reasons the ladder match, the Bretton Owen match, and so on. 7 is obviously famous because Hogan saves the world and it's got all this, you know, this, this hype behind it. I think 8 kind of does get overlooked mm-hmm. because the, the, the world title is in the mid card. Hogan's wrestling Sid in the main event, and there's not a clean finish to it, and stuff like this. It's well, it kind of, Hogan has to kick out because he's a massive, massive orange douchebag. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Hogan is a turd. So those are your options for next week. We have Magsy's fantastic choice of the 2002 Elimination Chamber. Triple H defending against multiple brilliant talents, the likes of RVD, Shawn Michaels, Booker T, Kane, uh, Chris Jericho's in there, and it's the first ever Elimination Chamber. So you see it uh, as brutal as it can be. The chains, the metal floor. There's no crash mats in this one, I'll tell you that. The, the amount of injuries that came out of that one one chamber match is, is unreal. I think pretty yeah. much everybody uh, leaves the match with some sort of injury. Yeah, there you go. Or we can go to WrestleMania 8 and see Ric Flair wrestle one of the greatest of all time, Macho Man Randy Savage. We've not seen enough Randy Savage on this show. That'd be quite a good watch as well, I think. The poll will be up, as always, sort of midweek-ish after the podcast audio version is available on the Wednesday. Um, Yeah, and I suppose that brings us to the end of the show, Max. Do you want to list off where everyone can find you and your awesome content, my friend? Um, And again, uh, an amazing week. Thank you all for for joining us in the chat. You make this show uh, a million times better. If it weren't for you guys, I'd have to talk to this clown um, 
with with nobody else. So you, you <laughs> but in all seriousness, you are absolutely amazing. The 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 whole lot here, and we we massively appreciate and love you all for it. Uh, but you can follow me down here on the Twitters. I don't mess around with that stupid Facebook or Instagram stuff. Uh, just on the Twitters at Podfather Mags, uh, where you can find links to all the content that I'm involved in here on Radio Techers, whether that be five rounds here on a changing attitude, the volley, which will be coming up in uh, in a few minutes, so stick around for that, or the the football watch ones, or you can find me on the chair shot with uh, a changing attitude and Badlands. Or um, or you see, uh, five rounds is out on on chair shot as well, and uh, Visionaries Global Media. So yeah, come and uh, follow me on the Twitters. Um, you'll find links to all my content there. There we go. There we go. You can find me at SJP Words on Twitter, uh, where you can find links to the multiple shows I'm now involved in. <laughs> I think you may be neck and neck with me. Um, it depends on. I suppose if we deem SJP as a, as an so ongoing let, podcast, let's roll for it's, a minute, so. it's effectively retired SJP. It pops up once in the blue moon. So, so it's still around though. Okay. So it counts. So, okay. Cha- chain wrestling. Yep. A changing attitude. Right. Five rounds. Um, the volley. Okay. Uh, the radio techers watch along. So that's five bad lands. That's six. Jesus, I have got a fucking lot. You have, I'm, you? Really have. I'm on the, the That Nazi's Wrestling yeah. Podcast uh, monthly, so seven. I'm going to go with seven, and if I miss one, I'm I'm throwing eight just to just to be safe. See, that's, I, that's a lot. That's a if hell we count, lot. If Ugh. we count SJP, which comes out, I suppose, as and when, it's got no real schedule anymore. Mine's, mine's five, isn't it? Chain Wrestling, uh, the Doctor ah, Who pod. Slacker. Waiting Room Podcast. But in my defence, I don't produce all of those. Some of those, I am just, uh, I'm just the on-screen talent. You produce the, well, all of yours, I think. Don't you? Waiting room is all Benny. Okay, Benny does all Benny does all the waiting room stuff. A Quantum Leap podcast It's great. Check that out. Find that on Facebook, Twitter, etc. At waiting room pod underscore. Uh, Benny does all that. He's absolutely fantastic at all that stuff. Um, get a life for you, pair. My wife has just put in the chat. Yeah, that, well. that's a personal attack. That's a perfect. It is. That's there, nasty. Yeah, it is. No we're we're trying that. to provide entertainment to for that. Sal wants a Tuesday roast now. <laughs> the recompense. That's it. <laughs> but anyway, 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 you can find me at SJP Words on Twitter, where you can find links to all the shows there. The Doctor Who podcast coming on the second of February with our good friend Dan Griffin. On Thursday, we have the debut episode of Nitro Nights available via Radio Techers and Visionaries Global Media. You can follow that show on Twitter at Nitro underscore Nights. It's going to be great. Won't, That's me. It and won't Spotify. follow you back, though. You can follow it, but it doesn't follow you back. Does it not? No, it doesn't, sir. Have I not followed you back on that account? <laughs> no, you haven't. Oh, what a bastard. I'll, I'll rectify that straight away, Maxie. Don't you worry. I block him, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh there we go this is like the longest exit section of the show we've ever done it's taken a long time for us to go i know we might have to do another one so follow me down here <laughs> on, <laughs> Father Mags on the twitters 
<laughs> oh, there we go. Yes, you can find me at SJP Words, and that's where you can find links to all my stuff there. But most importantly, you can find this show, Chain Wrestling, at Chain underscore Wrestling on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and that TikTok thingy, which I am now using. We are getting a few videos up on there. They may be sketchy in quality, but it's whoa, a stop. Whoa, <laughs> take that back. <laughs> That took then video took me all of about five or six minutes to create, sir. Oh no, no, no! I didn't mean the ones that you put together. I mean the ones that I put up, where it's just literally a picture, and it's not even a video at all. They're they're the best videos. Are they? They look they look like the five round style videos that I've been putting up. Ah, okay. Well, there you go then. Follow us on TikTok at chain underscore wrestling because the content there is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maxi, I am off now to watch the other two matches in the Ric Flair Steamboat Trilogy because it's that damn good and this is how wrestling should be done I will speak to you next week my friend Woo! <laughs> oh I missed it Woo! that's a woo off <laughs> Nitronites, starting this Thursday on Visionaries Global Media and Radio Tuckers, looking back on WCW one show at a time. Follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Nitro underscore Nights.